0: Coming up on this episode of AARP's Perfect Scam.
1: After I did that, then I hung up, then I realized why that happened. I started playing it back in my head. I said, no, this doesn't make any sense.
0: Most of us know that jury duty is just a fact of life. When we get the letter in the mail to appear, we know we need to tell our boss, take time off work, make plans for childcare, or rearrange our normal schedule. So if you get a call that you had missed jury duty, your heart might skip a beat or two. And you might even believe it if the caller told you there's a warrant out for you, but you can avoid all that if you just pay a fine. If this makes you suspicious, you are right to be. It's a scam. On today's episode, you'll hear the story of a woman who is a victim of the jury duty scam, and we'll tell you what to look out for and what to know in case you get a call like this. We'll get to all that, but first I'd like to introduce my co-host and AARP's Fraud Watch Network ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, thanks for joining us once again. Great to be back. Thanks. Frank, uh, let me ask you a question. So uh, it was a few years ago that Leonardo DiCaprio played you in the movie. And so uh, you're a little older. uh, So if people don't recognize you on the street, once they get to know who you are, does anybody not have a question about a fraud or a scam that they want to ask you? No,
2: that's – constantly. uh, The minute they know I am – and they all have had a scam. If I'm just in a cab – and the driver recognizes, me, see, it's immediate, not about how was the movie. It's about, let me tell you what happened to me. Uh, somebody sent me this. Yeah, I mean, they tell me about all these scams that perpetrate against them all the time.
0: And you hear about new ones every day, or is it harder to come by?
2: No, there's new scams. You know, all scams pretty much work off the same uh, type, the way they perform and the way they act and the way they play out. But they are all types of scams, and they have to do a lot of times with what's going on in the news, what's going on at the current time. Uh, and then they just play on that. But they pretty much all work the same, same way with Ponzi scams. They all work basically the same way. It's just a different investment or a different type of uh, thing they're selling or getting you to get involved in. And yeah.
0: And I know you're asked about this, but scams uh, when you were a, a, a youngster compared to today, the, is it harder, easier,
2: Uh it's, it's really a thousand times easier. You have to think back to, you know, 40, 50 years ago, there truly were con men. And the con men comes from the word of confidence men. There were people who gained your confidence.
0: What about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Have you ever seen that movie? I don't know Steve if I've Martin? seen it. No.
2: Watch it. It's great, actually. Okay, it's with yeah.
0: uh, Michael Kane. C- okay,
2: yeah. I'm not a big movie ghost. Okay. So right. yeah, you
0: don't have time. You're... Yeah.
2: You know, you could say in reality that a good salesman, a car salesman, a good marketing person is basically has the same ability of a good confidence man. They're gaining your confidence, but they're playing within the lines of the law, where the the con man is playing outside the lines of the law and trying to convince you to do something that you probably wouldn't normally do. Uh, but again, back then, it was just you one-on-one with that individual. So the con man was a well-dressed, uh, had a great vocabulary. He was well-spoken. Uh, he was, presented himself very well. He immediately got your trust just in his appearance Uh, Today, there are very few con men because it's all done by telephone, by email, on the Internet. And most of the time and many times, the con person is sitting in Moscow in their pajamas with a cup of coffee on their laptop, thousands and thousands of miles uh, away. So they don't see the victim and the victim doesn't see them. So there's no emotion getting involved because they don't feel bad about the person because they're never seeing the person. They're only dealing with them on words on a screen. Or they're dealing with their on a phone.
0: Yeah, so a big difference from uh, sort of more of the romanticized version of, of even what you were doing, which had like a romantic element to yeah, it. Yeah,
2: now it really doesn't. It's all just uh, electronic, Internet, telephone. and uh, But I think that makes it easier for the, one, for the person to commit the crime because they're not dealing with someone's emotion or they get involved and say, well, do I really want to rip off this person? I've kind of gotten to like them. Uh, or And on the other side, you get the person who doesn't see the individual. So there seemed to be more trusting, though they're not even having uh, personal contact with them.
0: Did you run into that? Uh, Did you get to know people? And over time, I know we talked about one young woman who you've met and you actually she was one of the few people that you actually told what you were up to. But did you have difficulties with that over time?
2: Yeah, for example, then that's a good point. For example, when I started going in banks cashing checks at 16, I didn't think anything about it. I was a 16-year-old who thought to himself, well, this bank has billions of dollars. I'm going to go in here and cash a $500 check. It's not going to ruin this bank, (laughs) okay?" But as I got older and got to be 19, 20, I would walk in the bank and convince the teller to cash the check. He or she weren't supposed to cash it, but I talked him into cashing it. And then when I left, I thought to myself, you know, I hope this teller doesn't lose her job because I told her to do something or convinced her to do something. So my conscience, just as maturity came along, was starting to bother me more and more about what I was doing because I wasn't thinking of it as the adolescent. I was starting to think of it as more of the adult as I got older.
0: Did you ever repeat banks or did you always have to shift, mix it up? In terms now, of where you cash checks. You no,
2: know, sometimes what, what made me very successful, I think, is that I really studied the things I did. So when I started writing checks, I asked myself the question, what are all these numbers on the bottom of the check? What do they mean? And if you asked the teller, they said, I don't know. You know and I said, so, so I went to the library because I want to know what are these numbers. And the numbers were basically like a zip code. And it basically told you what Federal Reserve, what branch, and then what bank belong to. So that's how it got it back to that location. So I said to myself, if there's twelve Federal Reserve banks and they go one to twelve and one zero one being Boston, twelve being San Francisco, if I was to take a check out of a New York bank which would be zero two and drop the zero and make that a one, when I cash the check, it'll go to San Francisco. And by the time it gets to San Francisco and they realize it's a forgery, they have to send it all the way back to New York that'll give me 10 days, two weeks to cash those checks. So this is why I was able to go into a bank and purposely make sure you did remember me. So I'd say to the teller, start talking about something, maybe cars or something with the teller. And they remember me so that when I cashed that check, I'd come back 10 days later and say, hi, uh, oh, but I remember I was talking to you about those uh, Corvettes and stuff. Yeah, that's right. I got another one of those cashier's checks. Well, in the teller's mind, it had to clear. It's been 10 days, so that check was good. I'll cash this check for you. So I manipulated those numbers to cause float. And then I realized that zero two one was Honolulu, so I even got more. So I would change 02121 to one two, one two one, which brought me to Honolulu from zero two one, which is Manhattan. Maybe you're too humble to give yourself credit for being smart, but not everybody's
0: thinking <laughs> like this, Frank. Okay, I mean you were you were like sixteen, and I you know I was like you know sleeping in the back of history class while you were uh, making a lot of money. You
2: know, I was thinking that if you're going to do this, then you have to understand how it works. I was so surprised that the people who work there. Didn't know. And I say, how could they not know what these numbers mean? They work here they have no concept of what the numbers mean on the check.
0: Were there a, a, like uh, a fair number of other Frank Abagnales like running around during this time, not with the same name, but other con men doing similar check fraud scams? that I, you were? I'm around? sure
2: there were. I don't know if they were doing it like me, but yeah. they're out can, uh, can, forging checks and. Yeah. And, you know, technology has made uh, – check forgery today is very big because the technology has made it so easy to replicate a check I was or produce ask. a check. Okay. Where back in my day, you know, you had to have a million-dollar printing press. There were color separations, negatives, plates, typesetting. Today you sit down, you open your laptop, you bring up a diagram of a check, and then you go capture a company's corporate logo and you put it on the check. Capture the bank's corporate logo, put it on the check. And fill in the graphics in the background, then go down to office supply store, buy some check paper, and print it out on your inkjet printer. So certainly technologies made what I did a lot, lot easier.
0: And one of your first, correct me if I'm wrong, big purchases, right, when you were doing this was, was a printing uh, a machine that would print
2: checks, right? Well, what I did is to finally get to the big printing press, yeah. uh, I had met a was girl. Was that in France? That was where you, France. That's where you end up. Okay, And yeah. I met a girl, and she just happened to tell me my dad owns a printing shop. So I said, oh, I have a real interest in printing. So she took <laughs> me did. back to meet yeah. the meet her dad and the printing shop. And then uh, the dad thought I worked with Pan Am. So I said to the dad, he was going on vacation. I said, when you go on vacation, what do you do at your shop? Said, oh, no, I close down. I go to southern France for two weeks. I said, well, you know, Pan Am would like to rent your print shop uh, because they're going to run a promotional program and they'd like to be able to uh, operate and use your presses here locally. They bring in their own printers and all that, and the dad said, oh, yeah, I can make some money renting it. So then I got into the print shop. But you had to learn how to do all those things too as well, just like if you do graphic art, you learn how to manipulate the computer. So you were in that print
0: shop by yourself printing out checks that would go across Europe?
2: Right. And, And Steven Spielberg remembered reading in an old newspaper article from France about that I had built scaffoldings on the press. And so he built scaffoldings and found the same press, but he built scaffolding. Uh, because I said you had to really operate it with two or three other operators, so being a teenager, I could run the length of the press and operate it. So I built the scaffolding so I could run down to one end of the press, operate it. So that scene in the movie, yeah, I was going to ask you, in, you look like that like you kind of you, yeah, that's gone, exactly going a little what bit I was wild on the machine okay. yeah, because it was hard to control the machine at the speed it printed and all that. So. Uh, so I had a lot of mistakes, but I was getting to look, figure out how to do it. We are that. so
0: lucky to have you. All right. Um, <laughs> for, for anybody, we do reference the movie a lot, but it's a Frank's book and life. Uh, if, that's that's uh, Spielberg directed. Catch me if you can. All right, Frank, we're going to digress on each of one of these episodes, <laughs> okay. but let's get back to the topic at hand, which is uh, – this week, jury duty fraud. That's a big right. one, right? All right,
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's a phone call, uh, and I'm going to introduce you to Martha this week. She describes herself as a regular working person with grown children, and she actually goes to South America to do some uh, some good work for people there, and she had a message waiting for her on her phone when she returned.
1: Uh, I got the message. Uh, the person says, uh, this is uh, Sergeant So-and-So. Uh, we... Uh we need to talk to you about um, about a warrant and uh, nothing to uh, alarm you about, but we would like to talk to you. Uh, here's our number. Please call us back.
0: And do you remember w- sort of what that feeling was like that day when you first got that message and what, what you were doing?
1: I, I got the message. I didn't think much about it. Didn't think about think about. I didn't think about it. I uh, I called the number. Um, I left the message because... Uh, it, when I called, I did get um, the answering machine. Says you have reached um, my county's uh, police uh, desk. Uh, We're not able to take your call now. Please leave a message, and we'll, we'll call you again.
0: And did you get the? Did it sound like the same voice that left a message for you?
1: It sounds like yes.
0: The so-called sheriff. Uh,
1: it's a so-called uh, sergeant. Sergeant from uh, police from the police department.
0: And so now you're having an actual conversation with somebody who claims they're from the police department. And tell us how, how that went.
1: He says that uh, this is Sergeant So-and-so. He used the same name. As a matter of, uh, I have to also say that when I made the call uh, before, um, I was transferred. Because when I, when I made the initial call, when I got the first call and then I called, somebody answered the phone. I said, I would like to speak to Sergeant So-and-so. And the person says, let me transfer you. And when I transferred, that's when then I, was, uh, I got this voicemail. So to me, that was authentic.
0: She eventually got a call back from the sergeant. Over the phone, he told her she had missed jury duty and they had a warrant out for her. He
1: said to me, um, um, I have this on recording. Am I talking to, and he said my name, my full name, my uh, my address, and my birth date?
0: He asked that of you? Yes. Right. No, right. no,
1: he didn't ask me. He told me.
0: Oh, he told you, right. So he had a bunch told of details me. up, up at, the, at the start of the call. Yeah, he told
1: me that, yes. Right. That's one of the things that uh, after he told me that, then I said that it must be true.
0: At that point, did was there anything in your mind that felt like you had actually missed a jury duty or, or you just assumed that you hadn't gotten the notice or what, what was going through your mind?
1: I I, um, I I started thinking back and I said, you know, I never got a oh, jury duty uh, summon. And I said, since and I asked, I said, since when were pe- uh, people uh, given warrant? if you don't show up for jury duty. And he said, this is the new law in Florida. Oh, uh,
0: the new law. So, yes. so at this point, uh, again, uh, this may seem like a new situation and something you're not familiar with, but a- 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 were you doubting the story at this point, or, or it seemed all, all real?
1: Uh, at this point, um, it seemed uh, all uh, kind of real, because uh, at one point I asked, I said, well, if this is a warrant, uh, then uh, you need to talk to my lawyer. And he said, uh, he said oh no this is it's not uh, that kind of a warrant um you don't need a you don't need to get a lawyer involved because a lawyer will cost you more money than the uh than if you just pay a summon
0: i'm sure uh, I'm sure he had he was eager not to involve a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> given what he was yeah. trying to do right yes yeah
1: yes, he said that a lawyer will cost you much more money than if you pay the summon
0: mm and so, how much was the summon and what and what happened next?
1: He said that uh, this is uh, uh you know you can uh, either no he said he, you can either come in or pay the summon
0: or uh, or or what
1: or or you can you can come into the police station and he said to me, but uh you coming to the police station that that could that could um, put you at risk of being arrested
0: oh my goodness so that sounds like the tone of it changes a little bit when he brings up something like that. That you know, mm-hmm. he's saying don't yeah. be al- don't be alarmed. Then no big deal, but yes. you owe you owe money, and you might get arrested if you don't pay it. Right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: All right. So, uh, and
1: yeah. and then he con- he's continuing saying this is something we could do over the phone,
0: which at that point you were eager to do.
1: I was yes. I just wanted to do it and get it over with.
0: What What did he sound like? Did he sound uh, Did he sound threatening to you, or was there at
1: this point he did not sound? You know, n- no threat. Um, uh, now, uh, in retrospect, when I think about it, um, when I speak to soldiers at police station, they don't sound so nice.
0: <laughs> right, right. So he <laughs> His was maybe I was or, overly nice. So you're saying he was a little overly friendly? I got it. Yes. Here's where things start to get weird. He tells her to go to a Winn-Dixie about 15 minutes away and get a money order. But she's supposed to stay on the line the whole time.
1: And he said, what I want you to do, you're going to keep your phone on when you get in your car.
0: He's just sitting on the other line while you're, you're then going to drive to the um, store? Yes.
1: He said, leave your phone on, put it next to you, and then you're going to drive. And I said, what's the point of the phone being on? He said, in case you get stopped by the police. Because of this warrant, so I can tell them that you are taking care of this already. So I got to the Windexy and I told him that I got there and he said, You're going to go in. And he told me, and he's very familiar with the Windexy, he said to me, You go in, go to the customer service desk, to the, uh, now I'm, you know, I'm thinking of uh, when I got there, and he said, You're going to, right on the right, on the outside of the customer service desk, you'll see these cards. Um, hang, you know, hanging, and you just—he gave me the name of the cards to get, and he said, "Just get these two cards co- two and have them put five hundred dollars on each."
0: Martha, was this guy? Was he, you think he was standing right inside the store or something? He seems yes. To... Yes,
1: you would think that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Did you ever find out where? I mean, it sounds like he's very familiar with this this location.
1: I found out later on that he's not. It's not. He's not too far from the area. Okay. And, and he, he did tell me, after you get the car, just walk out and come back to the car and then pick up, get on your phone.
0: Once back in the car, he asked her for the numbers on the back of the cards. He then leads her to a post office with the phone still on. But before getting there, he goes through this whole thing of going to the police station.
1: He said to me, you're going to come uh, to, the, uh, to the police station and, for, and, and the place, and here's the number, here's the address, and come to uh, the police station. And uh, he said, I said, why? He said to me, so you can bring the card. And so on the way to the police station, the Jesse gave me, then he, he said, hello, hello. Then he spoke to me, He said, don't go come to the police station because my boss uh, who was here who was going to talk to you and take this card from you is not here anymore. He had to go out in an emergency. It is best that you mail these cards to us.
0: Do you think that was just another part of his, uh, his way of tricking you into thinking the, oh, this yes, was real? Yes. So, mm-hmm. his plan, so his plan all along was to say, sure, yes. come on in, but now don't come yes. in. Okay.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. I think it was his plan because the address he gave me to the police station is a real address.
0: So at the, from the beginning to where you are now in the story, you've been mm-hmm. on the phone with this guy for, for an hour? Uh,
1: yes, more. Yes. About that. Okay. Could be. Could be that.
0: She mails the money, and then he even sets up an appointment for her to go deal with the jury duty a few days later. So, did you go to some address two days later?
1: No, because after I did that, then I hung up. Then I realized what had happened.
0: How did you realize what 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 happened? Then
1: I started playing it back in my head. Yeah, I started playing it back in my head. I said, "No, this doesn't make
0: any sense." And what 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 did that feel like? Were you starting? You, it seems like you've been relatively calm so far because you're yes. taking care of something
1: then it felt like i felt violated i felt like i felt i got i was angry i was i mean i just felt like this person invaded my life i'm also thinking you know, this person could have i could have uh uh gone to this person's uh place and then something worse could have happened sure because I, I let this person you know uh talk me into driving so far and, and, and then I'm thinking, that he had says my name, my address, and my, my, my date of birth. Where did he get them? And then I said, you know, he probably got them from online. You know, so I, I, everything is playing in my mind. And right away, I made a call to uh, my um, show's office in my town.
0: Martha didn't get the money back, despite reaching out to authorities. The scammer got away with it, and like most victims of a scam... She dealt with anxiety and even shame.
1: I'm an educated person, and I fell for this, so it could have happened to anybody.
0: Talk to us about your, your emotions throughout all this. You, I'm sure there was some anger. What, what, what did you feel when you first found out that this was going, you know, that you, when you first realized it was a scam? and now- uh,
1: uh, uh, Anger, fear. Um, I felt this person, if this person, this person could come to my house. Because they have uh, this person has my 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 address um, and i felt um i felt vulnerable
0: you kind of lose your faith in people a little bit i imagine
1: mhm yes i did
0: and have you been able to talk to people about it or tell the story or is it too hard to sort of to
1: it is it is too hard to tell the until um i went afterwards and i went on a l p web on the a r p website mm-hmm. and um when i got the magazine from arp and they were talking about frauds and um, there was um, a website address that you could go to arp that then you can uh, tell your story and that's what i did
0: yeah, and that's how we. But that, but
1: that was the only one, the, the only thing I did. I didn't tell. I didn't talk to anybody else.
0: But also, like many of our fraud victims, she wants to make sure that others don't get
1: scammed. All right. I hope it can help, you know, somebody else. And also, uh, what I also realize is that these people, all they do, is sit around and think of ways to con other people. That, that's their job. <laughs>
0: So, Frank, in listening to this story, one thing I I feel like I came across almost as a little gullible when I say it almost sounds like the guy's in the store. He's probably clearly not in the store.
2: No, I don't think the guy was in the store. And uh, uh, he had no reason to even uh, make her go to the post office and mail it other than to make it sound more legitimate because he already had the numbers. So he had access to the money. Uh, And who knows where he was? He could be familiar with the store. And most of those stores are all set up the same. So if uh, if you've been in one of those stores, you know what the other store looks like, and where those cashiers' offices and where the the customer service desk is. So uh, he may have been familiar with that particular store, or just the way those stores are laid out wherever he where he may have been.
0: And the jury duty scam. This is uh, fits into just sort of a category of hey, we've got a warrant for you kind of scam, or. Uh-
2: I think it's just a scenario that someone made up and sounds good. Of course, you know, if you wouldn't have a warrant issued. Uh, to right. you. And again, as you had pointed out to her, the whole thing about I'm um, give you the police department's address come down here. That was just to keep building credibility to the story so that he he had no intention of you going to the police department. But it, it helped him bring credibility to what he was saying. Um you know, it's just it's just another scam. Again, she was starting to figure it out because obviously no city municipality would work like that. Nothing would be done in in that way. And this gets back to that uh, original thing of always stop and verify. So I would have hung up and would have called the city and said I was supposed got this call that I was supposed to be jury duty. And now they claim there's a warrant for me. And they would have said, no, ma'am, that's not that's not true. And, and they probably let her know it was a scam. Uh, But, again, before you go act out these things or go get money for somebody, especially any time what we call a green dot card where someone's telling you to get money on a card and then you just give them the number of the card, no one's going to tell you to pay them like that. Uh, So all those things should raise red flags that I need to stop at this moment and find out if this is the truth. I wish I had
0: Frank Abagnale to call any time I feel like there's maybe something going on that looks fishy in my life,
2: and and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. And and you do because you have the the Fraud Watch Network through AARP and their toll-free number where you always speak to a live person. And obviously I work with them very closely to make sure those people you're speaking to on the phone know about these scams and know how to detect them and tell you what to do. So you do have a great resource. It's like having Frank Abagnale Uh, at AARP 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
0: There you go. If only Martha had picked up the phone and and called the Fraud Watch Network. I'm wondering as I listen to this, this story too and I ask her about sort of not being able to trust people and in your line of work, do you feel like there's sort of this cultural shift or there's an anxiety associated with frauds and scams and technology that maybe wasn't as prevalent 10, 15, 20 years ago?
2: Yeah, I think so. I don't think there were all the frauds that we see today and that's just because the delivery has made it so easy. And again, that it's not – you're not having contact with the individual, that it can be done you know, through the internet and over the telephone and through uh, the mail. Uh, so I think we see a lot more of these scams today. And again, you don't have the guy really having – any remorse or feeling bad about the victim because they're they're not seeing the victim. It's just a voice on a phone to them.
0: This one also has, and you mentioned the the hallmarks of a lot of scams where there's credibility built in. He takes his time uh, and stays on the phone while she's driving there. Uh, In fact, I don't know if that's that common, but stays on the phone,
2: keeps someone with him at all times. Yeah. And the purpose of that is more about she, they don't want you to start thinking it through. So right. maybe on the drive there you start going, you know what? I think this is something a little fishy about this. I'm not going to follow through with this. And then they lose you. So while they have you on the hook, they want to keep you on the hook. So keeping you on the phone, if you start to have any doubts, they're going to walk you through it and say, no, no, this is the way we do it and all that. And that, that's the whole purpose of that. It's not really tracking her or tracing. her. It's more about making sure they don't lose you.
0: That gets into also to, uh, uh, we need to get into this eight hundred numbers and local numbers and how people go about doing this. Can you can you pull back the curtain a little bit on phone numbers and can we rely on anything that we see when it comes up on caller ID? Uh,
2: you know you you have to you have to you, caller ID can be easily manipulated. So and there are hundreds and hundreds of phone numbers that can be used, thrown away, reused again. So even though you may block a call, they just use another number to to reach you. So. There's really nothing to be much determined by where the call's coming from. And sometimes they come from your local area. They come from uh, a place not far away from you or somewhere across the country. So there's not much to be gained by the, the the phone number. The question is, whatever someone's offering you to do over the phone, if it says it's urgent, has to be done immediately. And it requires you providing money, no matter how that money is provided. That should be a red flag to you to stop and verify uh, that you you are who you're speaking to, and that it's a legitimate call. So, for example, if I say I'm your fraud department at your bank and you need to do something and you need to do it right away, I can go get my credit card out of my wallet, turn it over, and there's an 800 number on the back to my customer service. I'm calling them directly, say, I just got a call from your fraud department, said that I have to do this and do that, and they're going to probably tell you that's that's not correct and that's a scam. Do not respond to that. So it's a matter of taking a few minutes to check it out. There's nothing wrong with uh, taking that moment to verify something so you don't part with your money.
0: And how do scammers go about – is it burner phones? You go buy a phone. Is that how they're primarily done? Yeah, they use done?
2: throwaway phones and yeah. they, they, they also buy lots of phone numbers, calling numbers that are just one-way callers where they can call you but you can't call them. Huh. Uh, you know. And Where do you buy that? Uh, They buy them legitimately through the phone company, but as a telemarketing company where they use a phony name to set up the company and buy the, uh, the phone numbers. And also, I always remind people on robocalls, they're using very sophisticated software so that the more you stay on the phone, the more likely they're going to keep calling you back or sell your number. If I'm a caller calling you on a robocall and the call says I've only registered three or four seconds on the phone with you, I'm not going to sell your number or reuse your your number. But if I have a live wire, someone who's listening to my pitch, or maybe I tell you press this prompt, press that prompt, you're doing all that, the more likely you're going to get more robocalls. So the way to get out of robocalls is just to, the minute you identify that the person says this is so-and-so or... This is the IRA. You know that's a scam. You just hang up the, hang up the phone. I wouldn't listen to the messages that, that are out there.
0: And that gets into this whole thing also of once you've been scammed, it can happen again. And sometimes people right. really get it. Because they
2: sell those lists, just like mailing lists that marketers sell every day. Look how much money companies make, like credit bureaus that sell your name and your information. That's where they make the majority of their money. Well, it's the same way with criminals. They, they not only scammed you, but then they make money selling you that this is a easy target to somebody else. And they
0: go on the dark web to some extent, right. which I feel like we could probably do a whole episode on the, right. on the dark web. S- selling information. Yeah. All right. So uh, she clearly got into a situation and realized kind of quickly that maybe this was a scam. And I, I assume that happens to people, too. Once they're out of that moment uh, of urgency, they realize, oh, shoot, I wish I hadn't have done that.
2: Right. And I don't know that I would have if I had been that guy and I was committing that scam. I don't know that I would have got into all that being so elaborate. I would have simply said this is the the court in your, in your town and you failed to make this. There is a fee you have to pay, not there's a warrant. There's a fee you need to pay. Otherwise, you will have a warrant issued. And, of course, the person would go, I would make the fee reasonable. So you start saying $500, then people start going, whoa, that's a lot of money. I'd have said, you know, there's a $100 fee to be paid and you can pay that on your credit card. Or you can come down. You always give them the option, so they feel the credibility there. And if they say, "Well, no, I'll come down," then you just kind of hang up, move on to the next call. But if they say, "Well, no, I don't want to go through all that. It's too much trouble. I have work and all that." Well, you can give me your credit card over the phone. That's the easiest thing because people so easily go, "Well, no, let me just pay that. Can I pay that on the phone with my credit card?" and I'd have gotten the credit card. I don't think I would have gone through all how elaborate this person went through. to And get,
0: I think he'd gotten the money and then even gave her a, a date two days later. <laughs> yeah. Not just all that is right. Credibility you know
2: building. That's yeah. all it to make it all sound very legitimate. Yeah. And even after he gets the money, he wants you to think it was a legitimate thing right. so that you don't turn around and go call the police or anything that you sure. say. Oh, that happened, but I took care of it and had a nice guy walk me through it, and that was the end of it. Didn't that go to the post office and mail it just to make it sound le- legitimate? That's all that is.
0: I was in the uh, market for a new phone over the weekend, and uh, the guy in the store was such a great salesman. And uh, you know, I knew he was. It was kind of right. part of his shtick, but he was really good at it. And right. you know, gave me all the options and what I needed this and that. And uh, but I got this. Uh, you know, I've been researching and working on the show for a while, and I was almost suspicious of this guy because I felt like, man, he's really good at this. But it made me feel like, wow, if this were a scammer on the phone, uh, people who are good at doing this are really good at it.
2: Right. And that's why I try to remind people that that, that personality, that trait of a, a car salesman, yeah. a good marketeer, it's the same trait the con man has, only one is working within the guidelines of the law and wouldn't step over the line to do something illegal, where the other one has the same talent but is saying I have no problem stepping over the line and doing something illegal. They're using the same talents uh, that, that, to do the same thing, me to sell a car or sell you the cell phone and someone else to sell some scam. It's the same thing.
0: Another week we'll hear about this, but AARP's Fraud Watch Network refers to being under the ether. Is that a term you've, you've heard? But it basically is that, 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 that situation where you're completely just – you don't know what's going it's, on because well, and it saying,
2: sounds so good and they yeah. can make it so especially for an elderly person. They can make it so confusing and to where you really don't understand it. And so you just want to do the right thing. And you say, you know what, just tell me what what I need to do so I can settle this. And all that's part of that, the scam.
0: All right. So once again, our, our advice and Frank's advice always is to stop and verify. And also just be aware you're not going to get arrested for missing jury duty anywhere that I'm Absolutely. aware of.
2: That's not going to happen.
0: We are once again going to check in with the Fraud Watch Network team. Jen Beam manages the Fraud Watch Network Facebook page, and the the fraud this week we're talking about with Jen is puppy scams, right, Jen?
3: That's true. Is this Pupp- a
0: real? Yeah. Uh, I don't even like to say it's those real. words together. Let's. So, so what are people? How are people getting scammed uh, with puppies?
3: Oh, it's terrible. Uh, so. This is a scam that has, you know, sort of started on Craigslist, but we're now seeing it uh, on social media, so it's sort of on Facebook. Uh, and basically, what happens is uh, the post will say something like, you know, it's a reputable breeder, and, you know, they're advertising, you know, it's for sale, it's adoptable for free to a loving home, uh, and. There's just no animal, so they're just using, you know, cute photos and pictures, descriptions from other websites, and there's always a backstory. Of course, the scammers are very good at this. So it's something like a soldier is about to be deployed, um, a grandmother is being hospitalized, and her dog just gave birth to a litter. So you jump in, you make contact. Usually, it's by email. Um, you might even get vaccine records, a guarantee of health, you know, glowing reviews. Uh, you know, so it's really, they know what they're doing. They really make it look very legitimate. But, of course, you got to pay those upfront payments, you know, adoption fees, uh, shipping fees, uh, you know, veterinary care, you name it. Often you have to do that by wire transfer or perhaps a prepaid debit card, a scammer's favorite tool. Uh, and then, It all starts. So then you got delays, you got surprise additional fees, and and you just never get the dog.
0: All right. Jen, thanks thanks again. We always appreciate your your help and your expertise.
3: Thank you so much, Will.
0: And Jen Beam is with the Fraud Watch Network. You can learn more about the Fraud Watch Network at Facebook.com slash Fraud Watch Network. All right, everyone, uh, thanks again for listening, and thanks to my co-host, AARP's Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Avignel, for all the information and good advice.
2: It was great being with you. And great
0: stories, too. Thank as you. Always.
2: <laughs> for more information
0: and resources on how to protect yourself from becoming a victim of a scam, visit AARP's Fraud Watch Network website, aarp.org, slash fraudwatchnetwork. All right, many thanks to our producers, Julie Getz and Brooke Ellis, our audio engineer, Julio Gonzalez, and, of course, my co-host, Frank Avignail. Be sure to subscribe, download, rate, and of course like our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
3: Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, your moment
1: today.